Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram at C3 Calgary West. Yeah. Thanks, Stephen. Well done. Thanks, Stephen. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. I'm, uh, I'm going to share with you the last in our series on soul detox. And uh, heart, of course, is a little heavy thinking of Dan this morning. We were just last weekend. You guys had a great word. Stephen preached to you. Heard that was incredible. We've got a great team of preachers here, which is great. I was fishing with my father-in-law up north, and um, I like to provide for my family. It, uh, our limit, you're, you're limited to four pickerel. It averaged just over $230 a pound <laughs> for fish that you can get for $1.99 at the co-op, but, but the experience was priceless. And um, I just, it was, it's Roland's uh, 80th this year, and um, I said that I'd give anything to have a weekend with my father again, and to be with my father-in-law was a priceless experience. So anyway, we were away. So thank you, Stephen, for filling in. And of course, they're doing incredible down at East Village. And this new venue right on in the Stampede Park should be fantastic, a next level for you. And over the summer, if you, if you're, you miss the summer morning or if you don't miss the morning, you you're welcome to go down and check out what they're doing down there. It's, it's really, really great. All right, I, wanna, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Um, I want to talk about judgments this morning. One of the things, uh, so the last four weeks we talked about, the first one was spirit, soul, and body. Uh, we created more questions than we answered, I know. I did for myself as well, uh, which is quite fine. I think we should continue to learn. Um, our inability to learn will cause us to stop growing, so we need to be able to be humble enough to admit that, that we don't know everything and be open to learn, and maybe this morning you'll learn something as well. Um, I hope so. It was probably about 12 years ago I read a book by Dr. Jim Richards called How to Stop the Pain, and it, pro- it opened up for me uh, a brand new understanding of one of the reasons why so many of our, our us, so many of us, let me just rephrase that, so many of us deal with relational pain and it goes unhealed. Um, my thesis was from last week was, or the last few weeks was, since our spirit has been born again and it's brand new, it's complete, doesn't need any upgrades, our body needs a little bit of help naturally, but the large percentage of our issues are soulish issues. Um, I find that things, something as simple as, not simple, but as complex as fear is really not a physical issue. It can turn into that. And because our spirit doesn't have any fear in it, our, it's, it lives in our soul based on thinking. Uh, when th- this morning I woke up with this thought as praying about Dan is that Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. <laughs> but that, yet it says in this world you're going to have trouble. But you don't need to worry because I've overcome the world. He didn't mean, he wasn't referring to this blue marble floating in space when he says he's overcome the world. He wasn't referring to the planet. He was referring to a system, uh, a system of the world, which is dominated and motivated by fear. But we are part of the kingdom of God that's dominated and motivated by faith. They're quite different. 
So you could probably trace back every negative emotion or experience in your life to be rooted in fear. And to be able to probably trace back every positive emotion to be rooted in love. So the question kind of comes down to this, how comfortable are you with receiving love? How comfortable are you with giving love? The, the, the least comfort we are with love would probably equal how comfortable we are with God, because God is love. So our ability to be able to give love, which is the greatest opportunity is for those who don't deserve it, who does deserve love, and also our ability to receive love. How, how well do you receive love when someone extends love to you in some way? How, how comfortable are you with that? And so I think that for me, one of the things I've found, and it's usually the last when I'm unraveling relational challenges in my heart, are places where judgments are held. And I want you to look at Matthew chapter 7, and this is a universal principle uh, from my favorite sermon in the Bible, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, chapter 7. And um, he says this, stop judging others. Easier said than done. Stop judging others and you will not be judged, for others will treat you as you treat them. Here's what we've done over the centuries, I think is we've translated that, don't judge or God will judge you. It's not what it says. That, that, that would not be good news. But he says that what happens when we judge actually says, stop judging, you won't be judged, for others will treat you as you treat them. And then, it, and then this indictment. Whatever measure you use in judging others, it will be used to measure how you are judged. Uh, I know that one of the, the accusations against the church is, is, I don't want to be judged, so I don't go to a church. Uh, here's the truth. Churches judge. Sorry. Because humans judge. Our ability to come to a snap conclusion based on a personal opinion or perspective is phenomenal. You can come to a conclusion without even having hardly any information. Am I right? Very easy for you to snap to a conclusion. Everybody heard of the Instagram uh, preachers with sneakers? Instantly snap to a conclusion, these preachers that wear $1,000 sneakers. Well, whatever. What if they were given to them? I was, I was uh, um, somebody left our church once because I, um, I had an Escalade. I said, preachers shouldn't drive Cadillacs. Based on what information? Who... Uh, I actually, what happened was that I, I asked the guy to buy a vehicle for me in the States because he had, he had um, stolen $13,000 from me. So I forgave him, eventually. And I said, would you go buy me a Chevy in, in Arizona as a favor because he was a car buyer. And he, he said, Here, and he came back and I just, wanted, I just wanted a Chevy is all I wanted. But he says, you know, but all the preachers in America, they drive Cadillacs. And they particularly like the gold trim ones. <laughs> so there you go. And he was doing me a favor, he thought. And, um, but what happens is that people make an assessment based on what they see. So psychologists would call this uh, spotlighting, where you see a little bit of information, you see what's in the spotlight, but you don't see anything else around it. 
It's very quick for us to make judgments on things by knowing very little information about things. Am I right? I could read you, uh, we could come up with different scenarios, how we snap to decisions very quickly. Um, um, so here's, here's my assessment on all of this, is that judgments create toxicity in our souls. And, what, and the reason for that is that they cause us to be spiritually blind. So when I make a judgment against somebody, which is based on my personal assessment of their motive of a situation, when, when, I, when I am convinced that I know why somebody did a thing, I've entered into the realm of judgments. And what that's done now is it's created a blindness to any other area of their life. It's dangerous. I think it's one of the biggest impacts on our emotional worlds. Jesus said he wants our souls restored. He said he would restore our soul if we followed him. In Luke chapter 6, there's a parallel passage and we'll often use it for offerings. But, but if you read it in context, uh, where, the Lord, where, where it says that, ju- uh, where, well, why don't we read it? <laughs> why don't we just have a look at that? Uh, Luke chapter 6, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Um, somewhere in here it talks about this, love your enemies. Um, um, verse 37, stop judging others and you won't be judged. Stop criticizing others or it'll come back to you. We talked about criticism and comparison two weeks ago. I was deeply convicted. If, and, but then it says, if you forgive others, you'll be forgiven. And if you give, uh, sorry, if you give, you will receive and your gift will return to you in full measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. We like to use that with finances and I think it's okay. But he's saying it in the context of how we treat others. And how we view others. He's saying that, that what happens when we make judgments and assessments against other people, that those judgments come back on us from other people, not from God. All the judgment of the world was placed on his son Jesus. God is not judging us, but he's referring to the emotional pain that we will feel that when we judge others, it begins a cycle where it comes back against us. And so here's what he wants us to do. Break the cycle. Just break the cycle because it doesn't come back the same. It comes back multiplied. And so we feel these judgments and they're dangerous and they hurt. We're designed to do life together. Jesus was a master at this. I think you would agree that we're all social, emotional, relational beings. And, um, and some of the most important things in life for you and I are in, in terms of relationships, because relationships seem to be the only eternal things on earth. Our ability to steward them is vitally important. I think our relationships are the best measuring stick of our emotional life as well. They, they're the great joy and the great pain in life. We could probably say that all decisions and or, ish, or, decisions and or issues that we face in life uh, are in result to relationships. If there's an issue, it seems to be about money, seems to be about anxiety, seems to be about fear, seems to be about frustration. When it comes down to the end of it, oftentimes it's rooted in relationships. Our ability then to give and receive love is a key competence in learning to relate. When relating, we give others permission to speak into our lives. How open are you for others to speak into your life? 
Um, and and how, how willing are we to speak into others? To reciprocate requires honesty, which creates vulnerability, which terrifies most of us. Because I like my life just the way it is. Instant, the instant we start to defend ourselves too strongly, we're no longer in a safe place to give or receive feedback in another's life. I, I was just quite taken by James chapter 3 this week where he t- talks about the wisdom of God that's first of all pure. I was thinking of a sermon series called The Missing Peace, P-E-A-C-E. Because in our life, very often, we're missing peace. And where does peace come from? And how is it born? And how, is it, how, does, how do we sustain peace in our life and in our hearts? But, but James says this. He says, the peace of God, the peace that comes down from above, it's first of all pure. He says there's a process in finding peace. And the first part of peace is purifying your motives, purifying your heart, purifying your thoughts. If we're not willing to purify our hearts and our lives, don't expect peace to rule in our hearts or lives. He says the peace of God is first pure. This is a thing that we have to learn in in leading others too. Are my motives pure? They rarely are. Heck, you hardly know your own motives, let alone somebody else's. So are our motives pure? Well, it says that wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure. It doesn't have mixed motives. It's pure. And then it leads to peace. So to purify our lives and purify our thoughts, it's before we begin making assessments of others. The purifying is a growth challenge for our perceptions and for our our actions. I think it's impossible to invite others into your life and then deny them input into your life. In other words, it's kind of like saying, okay, I'm going to welcome you into my life, but I'm sorry, you, I, I don't care about your opinions, your ideas, or your thought processes. Relationships require that we share our feelings and our emotions and what's going on in the inside. This happens so much in marriages. All I have is mine to measure by. But it happens very often that we invite people into our life and then all of a sudden we find, oh, they have, they have these opinions that are different than ours. Of course they do. Opinions, they're like socks. We all have them, they just smell different. <laughs> we all have them. But when you invite somebody into your life to relate with your life, you have to be willing to accept their opinions and their ideas and some of their beliefs and their perspectives, and this is what helps us grow. So you don't need to be threatened by another person's perspective. My insecurity will create incredible inflexibility with me in my relationships. What happens when we reject friends because they don't agree with us, we continue the cycle, we just find friends, then we'll just change friends, find ones that agree with us, and then we don't grow. Uh, My Bible says that mercy triumphs over judgment. I've given this a lot of thought. I don't think I have a good conclusion. But I think maybe one definition of mercy might be our ability to see through another's eyes. That might be. How, How can mercy triumph over judgment? When I'm able to set myself aside rather than being me centric because the world doesn't revolve around you. When we come to follow Christ, we actually move up from being me-centric to being Christ-centric. 
The process of renewing our mind is not just willing that we won't think a certain way, it's allowing our thoughts to be conformed to the thoughts of Christ. How does he think about that person? What are his perspectives on that person? What are his perspectives on me? What, does that affect my, when, when I see how he sees me, does that affect how I see him? So what if I'm able to see through another's eyes? I think this is a great skill. It's essential in marriage. It's, it's essential in life if you want to minimize your relational pain. This stirs, stirs very deeply in all of us. And I would say that probably in my experience, over 90% of all relational pain comes from my lack of perspective because I have this spotlight and I'm only seeing this part of their life and I don't care about or I haven't been able to have the breadth of heart enough to see the other parts of their life, to see that they're also struggling with certain things and that they're fighting with certain things and my inability to empathize with them in these other dimensions uh, causes me to lose empathy and to lose love and to lose care for their life. We need to move out of that type of thinking. Two things mess with our perspectives and our discernment more than others. One is judgments and the other is offenses. <clears throat> Learning what Matthew 13 calls finding treasure and, and, and in term, how we find this treasure is we buy the whole field. In everybody there's treasure. I'm so glad that Jesus sees the treasure in me. He, he always sees two of me, where I am today and where, where I'm going tomorrow. He always sees a finished product of me in Christ, but he also is able to identify with me where I currently am at. In order to find the treasure, you have to buy the whole field. I used to be a farmer. I know what fields are made of. Dirt. And then every spring we'd spread manure on the dirt. In every person, there's a pearl of great price. And if you focus on the manure or the dirt, you'll never find the pearl. God, give us eyes to see the pearls in everyone. Help us. Give us eyes, your eyes, to be able to see the pearls. We're really only able to see when we're willing to admit that we can't see, Jesus said. We become like the blind leading the blind as leaders if we don't can't admit that, oh, you know, I don't think we see everything the way it needs to be seen. And so, Lord, we need you to restore our sight so we can see people the way you see them. So I can see that person and the battle that they're going through as well, rather than just how it affects me today. <laughs> every teacher is a person and every circumstance is a classroom. Two times in Proverbs, chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, there's a path that seems right, but the end is death. Be careful when everything seems right. The definition of a fool in Scripture is one who only learns from negative experiences. Most times, a fool simply repeats the same mistake and never learns. And then when it doesn't work, they blame the other people, play the victim. When a fool violates a rule in society, and society reacts unfavorably, they accuse society of being non-tolerant. A fool, by definition, is someone who rejects input from other people. How, how, how open are we to receive input from other people without getting defensive? Because the minute we become defensive and begin to defend our own dysfunction, we become uh, unsafe in relating. 
because now we come, we, we're no longer in a place of security. We want to defend our dysfunction. Proverbs 15, verse 5, a fool re- rejects input. When a fool won't learn from instruction, the next option is correction. When a fool can't learn from correction, then the result is they need, they, the other option is learning from consequence. And when a fool won't learn from instruction or correction or consequence, it leads to destruction. <clears throat> it's the cycle of a fool. Matthew 7 says, stop judging others and you will not be judged, for others will treat you as you treat them. I think it's one of the most powerful interrelational truths that there is. And it's also one of the most misunderstood. I suspect that when we get so locked into judgments and begin judging others, what Isaiah chapter 42, verse 7 and 8 says, we lock ourselves in a prison of darkness. One, One translation calls it a dungeon where we can no longer see. Of course, we've been freed. But the invitation once we become free is to help lead others into freedom. But what judging does is it keeps us in a place of darkness, spiritual blindness, and our inability to see beyond our own little worlds. So what happens if the Lord swings the doors open of those prison doors and those dark judgments? Judgments create forms of spiritual blindness. Um, Our worlds are full of relational pain because of judging. Help us, Holy Spirit, to break that cycle. If the source of pain was the event or the circumstances in our life, we would not have control, but we do. We do. Nothing outside of you has the power to impact you until you attach significance to that situation. Judgments blind us and then they bind us. Um, Judgments are rooted in self-centeredness. And our only hope of breaking self-centeredness is to become Christ-centered, which requires the renewing of our minds. The process of transformation requires us to think differently, to repent of ways that we were thinking before so that we can get a hold of new ways of thinking. When our minds are renewed, it removes me from the center. It removes me from the center of my world. I find one of the most difficult thing should be the most simplest thing, and that is love says that we are to be patient and kind. I tried to do that. I tried to commit to that for a whole year. Man, was I disappointed with myself. Simple, just kindness and, and, and patience. It should be a simple thing. I just need so much help. Let me just wrap up with a couple of thoughts. How does, how does this look to us? The Bible says that the, the eyes are the window of the soul. Not of the spirit, that's interesting to me, or of the flesh. I know when I've prayed for people, sometimes I can just say, oh, your eyes are clearer, because something seems clearer. Um, I'm, I'm quite intrigued by this and how it works, but I do know it works in terms of, of, of detoxing my soul, because when something happens in my life, what I'll begin to do is I can compare it to someone else or someone else, and then I'll, in my heart, I'll go, oh, that's not fair. I'm the only one that's ever faced this particular challenge. This isn't fair. What's happened? I've simply blinded myself now and become a victim to my circumstance. Life is not fair. Just get over it. It just isn't fair. It's never meant to be. (laughs) Trying to make it fair is is, uh, futile. So how can 
instead of taking on the victim mentality, can look and think and feel like life is against us. But here's what we need to do. I feel we need to look at the roots. Look back at the roots. Not just the fruits, but look back at the roots. The source of, roots are sources that, that feed the fruits. It happens on, on every level to me. I just find this remarkable. Every level, pardon me. I can often kind of tell when someone has judged the church in general. Because you know what you'll feel like? You'll feel like there's a little, like there's a little hook. When we, when, we, when we jig for pickerel, we put a little stinger on the end. And if they miss the big hook, they get the little hook. Just a little stinger. Have you ever felt that in a relationship? You're in a relationship and you, all of a sudden you feel something because you're picking something up. You can't not feel another person. You can always feel the heart of another person. It projects a minimum of five feet. It's a matter of tra translating what's, what's happening there and, and discerning well. And so, so what you'll do is you'll feel a little barb. You'll feel it in business. I know, I know why he did that. No, you don't. You don't have any idea why they did that. In Book of Acts, it has a term. There's only, they only use this term once. It's called cardionosis. It means the heart knower. There's only one who knows the heart. And that's not you or I. There's only one who knows your actual motives. He says, the Lord's the one that looks not on the outside, but on the inside. He looks at differently. Your, your outer world, is create, how that looks, is all created by your inner world. And when we lack care about what's going on on the inside, everything will look different than the outside. I know why that, I know that, that boss is just mean to me. You don't know, you, you, you're just translating the situation from your personal perspective. So it happens in marriages all the time. One day, one day uh, I, came, I came into my bedroom and all of my socks were in a line and all of my underwear was in order. I go, what did I do? <laughs> Sums up. I'm in trouble. I, didn't, I don't know why. What if she just had a, my wife there had a moment of absolute affection, which happens all the time. Just want to serve my husband well. And you, you know, so much of the, the, the deal is that the things that are seen are temporal. Yeah. It's the things that are unseen that are eternal. You should do something that nobody sees every day. Just to keep, just to keep that heart right. You don't know why people do stuff. Do something that, that nobody else sees every day. Just do no seems. For, for people that are, and, 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 you know, and just, because, just because of the Jesus that lives in you. Just try doing that, like even, I mean, start with your, with your spouse. Just do them because you, and what it does is it opens up your heart. It warms your heart. In marriage all the time, you don't know why someone did what they did. So stop judging them. Otherwise, it comes back multiplied, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Yuck. No wonder David said, my cup runneth over. So it happens in work. It happens in families. Oh, I know why they did that. No, you don't. That level of presumption creates all kinds of relational pain within you, and now you're competing in your heart, the, uh, the eternal, the unseen, and it messes with your ability to see them the way Jesus sees them. It, 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 it absolutely shipwrecks your empathy for another person and, and our inability to love them. So here's, here's, here's my suggestion on detoxing the soul from judgments. Number one, I think it's mercy that triumphs over judgments. 
You need fresh, we need fresh perspective to be able to see that other person, that they're going through a battle that's invisible, but it's probably bigger than yours, very easily. And the invitation of seeing, feeling a challenge is your invitation to intercede for them. That becomes eternal, your intercession for another person that they'll never see. This is wonderful, and it helps you to have eyes to see. This happens in relationships all the time. You can build a relationship in the Spirit by interceding and praying for another person. I found the easiest thing for me to do is the, is the, is the, uh, to, the easiest way to stay angry is to not pray for another person. Easy. As soon as I begin to pray for them, I start to feel God's heart for them. And hopefully, I stay there long enough until my heart breaks for them, like his heart is breaking for them, that they no longer live in a dungeon of darkness. Prayer is such a powerful tool, learning to bless others and forgive others. Secondly, clearing the slate to your heart to see others as God sees them and see yourself as God sees you frees us from all judgment. Free and release everyone, everything from past judgment, ourselves included, every day. Listen to people that disagree with you and get fresh perspective so that your sight can be restored. The wise learn from instruction, fool don't. Number, fools don't. Um, secondly, confession. You know that when, when in a court of law, if you confess, the judge, the, the um, sentence is always more lenient. I think it's good for us to learn to make confessions quickly. I do these first privately. And then I can go to that person and say, I'm sorry, I misunderstood, I missed, I, I've judged you. And, and it, confession actually just it clears the slate. It requires a little bit of vulnerability. Confession requires safety, but the goal of confession is never to punish. James chapter 5 and verse 12, we process faults and find freedom when we confess. It says, let the afflicted, if you're afflicted, call the elders of the church to pray. Go confess your faults one to another. And then the third thing <clears throat> is worship. I think worship expresses emotions, and it's incredibly healing. Following Jesus is never about being right. Following Jesus is about him being right. That's the good news. Only Jesus was the one that was right. A condemned heart knows no peace. But it says when a heart is at peace, it's free. Uh, this... This, this, this thing requires a little bit of discernment. Not, not a lot, but a little bit. Maybe this morning you feel like you've judged someone or you're feeling judgment from somebody. You can stop all that in, in a very, very quickly. It's very easy to do. Maybe you're in a situation where something has happened to you and you feel like a victim. You can break that very easily. But you need to have a desire to do that. You may be in a relationship where you consistently feel put down and called down or misunderstood, you can break that very easily. But it does require your willingness to come into agreement with the, one, the only one who knows the hearts of other people. You don't know what people are going through. We don't know unless the Lord shows us. But once he shows us, Lord, may we have compassion. It says that Jesus was moved with compassion. Compassion will move you, but you need to be able to see what's happening in another's life. And in order to see, you have to have your sight restored and have fresh perspective. A certain thing, you know, this morning as we're thinking, this was Dan's song, I'm No Longer a Slave to Fear. And um, it was hard for us this morning when we gathered, like church starts at 8, 8.45 when we have prayer. And there's a bit of sadness in the house today, thinking we might 
because we just don't know. There's uncertainty about where Dan is. But I can promise you one thing, he's no longer a slave to fear. I loved it when he used to sing. He used to stand over here and he'd... Many of us live as slaves to fear because we haven't broken the cycle of fear. We don't have to live with relational pain. We don't have to live in a cycle of fear because we're people of faith. But that does require something of us. It requires us to lay down our perspectives and lay down our judgments, lay down our offensives and lay down our criticisms. And then the peace of God can rule in our hearts. Would you stand with me? Um, We do have a prayer team this morning and be willing to pray for you. If you're dealing with significant relational pain, we, this is the word of the Lord for us today, I believe. Um, breaking judgments, is a, it, it should be something, for me, it's a, almost a daily occurrence. It really is, because I find that my heart is not as pure as I would like it to be. I wish it was purer. But the, this process of purification, the, pure, the, 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 peace, the wisdom of God's first pure, and then it's peaceable. This is part of detoxing our souls. May God give us compassion for others, those around us, and give us his heart for people and his eyes to be able to see what's happening in their lives. Father, as we listen to your word, it's often easier to simply listen to than it is to practice and fulfill. Lord, as I've learned about breaking judgments and I still find that I get tripped up many times, I know there's people here this morning, this may be the first time they've heard about the, the, the ability to break judgments in their life, and they're, they're in prisons of darkness. Oh God, I thank you today that you're opening eyes of the blind. Once again, Lord, we're no longer slaves to fear and dysfunction. We're no longer victims of our circumstance or relationships that we're locked into. We actually have the ability to renew and redeem every relationship around us but we need to do it your way. So Father, we come before you humbly asking for your forgiveness, Lord, judgments that we've carried in our hearts against others, against institutions, against people around us, against family members, against spouses. Oh God, who who have lived in darkness and yet we've judged them as being, why didn't they do any different? They didn't know any different. So Father, forgive us for having simply a spotlight in that one little moment in their life and help us to have hearts of compassion that would move us to love people the way you love them, Lord undeserved. Lord, I thank you that mercy triumphs over every judgment. And God, this morning we just pray for your perspective as we, in this place of waiting, of where, what you know exactly where Dan is, but we're waiting. And so we trust you in the wait and we connect our hearts with yours today. Oh God, we're no longer slaves of fear. We're going to just sing that chorus together. But before we do, I want to pray for anybody that's dealing with, un, uh, with, with, with judgments in their heart. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you today that veils are lifted over hearts and minds that have kept them in prisons of darkness, not being able to see that what you are doing in the rest of these lives. Oh God, I pray for your presence, Lord, to lead us into greater levels of light, Lord, that you are, you are the one that leads us into great light, Lord, and darkness must flee. So God, today I declare that relationships are restored and our sight is restored and we can see where you're moving in another's life and the judgments over others are broken. Oh God, we pray today for your presence to lead us into greater revelations of your purpose in Jesus' name. 
amen and amen. If you'd like prayer, please come forward. We've got a prayer team to pray for you. Before we go, let's sing Dan's song, even just the chorus. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Can we sing it together? to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.